Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Bonheim and you're listening to the BIN podcast. Simply the podcast for those who want to learn from the very best in business, tech and entrepreneurship. Let's start the show. Mark Yusko is the founder and CEO of Morgan Creek Capital Management and one of the partners at Morgan Creek Digital. In this episode, Mark gives a masterclass in investment and life philosophy. He shares stories from the best investors in the world, explains why he decided to invest in Bitcoin and crypto, and gives his best advice for the people wanting to succeed at their craft. This episode is sponsored by Norwegian Block Exchange, a Norwegian cryptocurrency platform where you can buy or sell the most popular cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. NBX is registered with the Norwegian supervisory authorities and keeps customers' funds insured with Ledger Vault's insurance program. Join over 9,000 satisfied clients and sign up with your bank ID at nbx.com. All opinions expressed by Christopher Wonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christophe Wonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back, everybody. Super happy to be joined by Mark. And Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, great to hang out with you this afternoon and uh, look forward to the conversation. Awesome. So can you take us a bit back in time and talk a bit about your background? Because there wasn't a straight line to finance. I think if I remember you correctly, you could have become an architect. You could be a doctor handling COVID patients, but you found a novel concept called do something you like in life. And then you ended up yeah. in finance. No, it's perfect. And uh, yeah, so I, um, you know, I would say my seri- my life is just a series of, of happy accidents and, uh, you know, I grew up on the left coast up in Seattle, Washington, moved around a lot in high school, lived in Connecticut and Texas, and then found my way to Notre Dame. Really did think I wanted to be an architect. Uh, again, many of the listeners are probably too young to remember this little show called The Brady Bunch, but the uh, dad in the show was an architect, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. So, but I went to school, tried that, didn't like it, and uh, dad wanted me to be an engineer uh, and eventually be a consultant like him. And tried that, didn't like that that much. And then my girlfriend at the time said, hey, why don't you do something you like? Like, there's a novel concept. So uh, what do I like? Well, I like, uh, I like, you know, science. I like biology, chemistry. So I did that. And uh, turns out when you're a biology and chemistry major, not a lot of options. You can go be a doctor or, again, go be a consultant uh, or a healthcare or a pharmaceutical sales rep. And I'm not 6'4 and handsome, so I was not going to make that. So... I uh, decided to uh, not go to medical school, but went to business school, go to business school um, and just took the first job offered was an insurance company. And the interesting thing about that was if I were a resume inflator, right, I would say I was a M&A analyst. <laughs> now, what I really did is I did spreadsheets for the CFO and we did buy other little companies. We were a, in you know, insurance roll up. Uh, but I was just a spreadsheet guy. And, and so, but the guy who was doing investments retired. So I got a chance to do investing of, of bonds. And then I got a job randomly through a friend working at an investment management firm. And that really changed my career. So I went to work for this firm called Disciplined Investment Advisors. And our mantra was invest without emotion. 
So, you know, base things on the numbers, we are value managers. And, and so that's kind of, that inculcated me into this idea of value investing. Um, did that and then I got the call. So I got the call to go back to my alma mater at Notre Dame, did that. And I learned the endowment model of investing from Cambridge Associates. And it really opened my eyes. I thought it, you know, investing was all about stocks and bonds and picking, you know, should I buy this stock or that stock? Well, no, investing really is about asset allocation. It's about which assets do I focus on, stocks, bonds, currencies, commodities, what geographic region, what strategies. And uh, we made lots and lots of money at Notre Dame in venture capital. And that's where I had my aha moment. It was back in, in 96 and we in, had invested in this little company called Sequoia, which was a venture capital fund. And they invested in this little company called Google. And at the time we're like, Google, it's a stupid name. And you know, what do we need another search engine for? We got Webcrawler and Lycos and Fetch and uh, Ask Jeeves. You know, what do we need Google for? And it turns out you know, Google had some technological innovation called indexing and changed the world. And so you know, we invested half a million dollars in that little company and it turned into $200 million. I'm like, ooh, that's pretty cool. So then I became hooked on this idea of invest uh, in innovation as an asset class. Right? Really think of innovation and particularly technological innovation as, as an asset class. And so throughout my whole career since then, uh, I've spent a lot of time in venture capital, a lot of time investing in tech companies. And you know, that's how you and I end up talking today is, is I ended up in, in the crypto world Again, just a happy accident uh, through a good friend, Dan Moorhead. And the reason I was late to our conversation, I was talking with Dan Moorhead, uh, who is still a, a good friend and, and partner. So um, lots to talk about, lots to unpack. But that's, I would say, I don't do short. Well, Christopher, I, I, I uh, talk too much. I, I give long answers, but that's, that's the string. I mean, that's awesome. So I, I basically can just hit record and let Mark do the talking. But since we, I mean, the reason we're talking is because people listening to this podcast have heard your name before. We have to go back to one and a half year being in New York, talking with Pomp, and I basically asked him, what have you learned from Mark? And it was so much to unpack, but he said that Mark said to me that the best press the winners harder than anyone else and get rid of the losers faster than anyone else. But before we go into your investment principles, can't you just also maybe, since Pomp been on the podcast, can you tell me a bit about what have you learned from him as well? Ah, fantastic. So I'll give the backstory of how we got together because it's it's part and parcel of, of kind of what I've taken away from Pomp. And uh, you know, we're again close friends, good business partners. Um, so it's interesting. I met Pomp just randomly through an investment, again, in, in innovation and technology, uh, we do a series of special purpose vehicle investments in tech companies. So we've done you know, Facebook and Alibaba and a whole bunch of, of different companies. And, and we were early in ride sharing. So we did Uber, we did Lyft, we did Didi, we did Ola, we did Grab. And in the Lyft investment, um, Pomp and his partner, Jason, were doing an SPV and, and we just met, you know, 15 minutes and we were trying to talk about who, you know, how to structure it maybe together. And I thought he was a nice guy, but didn't really know him. Um, but then I heard him on a podcast. I think podcasts are cool. And I, I heard him on a podcast um, and I was like, wow, 
that's really, I, that's something I would say. Hey, that, that, okay. So I'm like, okay, this guy. So I said, I'll follow him on Twitter. And literally it was like, like, like everything that he tweeted. Like, that's something I would say. Hey, that, that is something I say. I need to meet this guy. So uh, I literally DM'd him and said, hey, let's, you know, you're here in Raleigh. Let's, let's get together for breakfast. And uh, breakfast turned into three hours, turned into breakfast the next day, turned into basically spending, you know, 10 hours a day with each other for the next week. And he said, all right, we, we got to work together. And so the first thing that I got from Pomp was uh, this idea of, of just boundless enthusiasm, right? I mean, he is, he is a very enthusiastic guy. And I look, I'm, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a hyperbolic personality. My wife says, I'll tell you, you can't say things like that. I'm like, like what? She says, you, can, you say things with such conviction. I said, what's wrong with that? She says, well, people will believe you. I'm like, well, that's kind of the idea. And she says, but what if you're wrong? She says, I'm wrong all the time. I'll change my mind. We'll do something else. But so boundless enthusiasm, one thing I really took away from Bob. And, and that is the one thing I love. It, it's people like yourself, enthusiastic young people. I, I'm old, right? I mean, I've been around a long time. I got white hair. But man, the last three years since that breakfast with Pomp and, and I have gone headlong down the crypto rabbit hole. I'm having more fun than I've had in my career. Uh, I'm hanging out with, you know, the crypto kids, you know, black t-shirts, although I, I don't have a black t-shirt on today, but I got a black shirt on. But it, it's, it's so great to be around young, enthusiastic, really smart, passionate people. So that, that's, that's one thing. Second thing is I have always been a big fan of what I call a fast motor. So my wife and I set up a scholarship program at, at our alma mater at Notre Dame. And the idea is we're trying to attract the best and brightest to come to Notre Dame, you know, to be the future Catholic leaders of tomorrow. And um, that's hard because they all want to go to, you know, the, the Hypes, the Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford. But, you know, we personally interview them and people say, well, what do you look for? Fast motor. Right? I want people who, who think fast, who, who do fast, who, who, who really want to engage in things. And, and Pop has one of the fastest motors I have ever encountered. I mean, he, he just, he's always on and, and that's cool. Um, I would say one other thing that, that Pomp really helped me with is, you know, I, believe it or not, I'm a pretty conservative guy. And people, you're not conservative at all. You know, you do all these crazy things. You're, you know, you're in Bitcoin and you're in crypto and, and you're now you're doing this SPAC ETF. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But, but I do them with a very measured approach and kind of deliberate. And I, and I like to manage risk. And so uh, the thing about any investment, right, is, is, you know, we are paid, investors are paid to take intelligent risk, right? Our job is to seek volatile things, not to shy away from them, right? If I want to minimize risk, I put all my money in cash and forget about it. Um, but our job is to seek intelligent risk, risks in which we're compensated. And the thing that, that I have taken from, from Bob, and I always knew this and I always, always thought about it and always acted on it, but I never really crystallized it the way it's, it's about asymmetry focusing on asymmetry. And again, I'd always done that in the back of my mind is, you know, more upside to downside. But uh, he really helped me crystallize this thought, particularly when it comes to, to crypto and, and Bitcoin in particular, is the asymmetry of the upside. I mean, my favorite quote, right, from Satoshi-san, whoever he, she, they happen to be, 
you know, maybe you should just get some in, in case it catches on. And uh, that's a great line, right? Because the upside at that time when it was basically pennies, you know, was, was unlimited and the downside was nothing, right? You're risking a very small amount of capital for, for a big upside. So even today, I think the upside downside ratio of Bitcoin is, is extraordinary. I agree. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but I want to spend a little a little bit time talking about partnerships because you co-invested a lot. You did so much different stuff over, over the years. And I was listening into Steve Kerr, the, the head coach of Golden State, did like this session at Berkeley talking about culture and leadership, etc. And he also has this dilemma that you also have. You have this very skillful person, maybe doesn't have the best values. And the other way around, you find a guy, right type of values, you can connect with him, but yep. uh, not, not as skillful as the other one. How have you balanced those traits? Because you can you meet so many brilliant people, but I mean, you, it's it's also dangerous if you don't find people with the right values, right? Now, Chris Rice, just I was talking about this exact thing this morning uh, with a, a good friend, who's actually another a podcast host, and and uh, you know, I won't use the vernacular I actually call it, but let's just say I, I call it the no jerk rule. I have a different word that I used, um, but. Yeah, and I've only violated it twice in my life. Both times it cost me money and pain and suffering. So I'll never do it again. And you're right. I am blessed, right? I get paid to talk to the smartest people in the world about investing. Right? That's my job, right? Go out and find us managers in stocks, in bonds, in hedge funds, in private equity, in venture capital, and build portfolios for our clients. And I've talked to Nobel laureates. You know, I, I've had dinner with Harry Markowitz. I've talked to Myron Scholes. I've, you know, I've hung out with Cliff Asnes, who's one of the smartest people on the planet, another former Chicago guy, and all these people. And the reality is, there are a lot of smart people, but a smart person with bad values or is dangerous, and it will cost you money every time. And uh, I said, I learned it the hard way a couple times, and. And uh, yeah, that's the problem with investing is you don't get to learn from other people's mistakes. You got to feel the pain in your gut yourself. And so you got to make the mistakes and then, and then you do learn. So values, character are the most cruel thing. And back, back to my scholarship thing, right? We, we look for four things, right? We look for intellect, not intelligence, right? I don't want someone who scored a perfect grade on the SAT. I want someone who's intellectually curious, who has a fast motor, who, who really wants to dig deep into ideas. And, and when you have a conversation, you seek people with opposite opinions so you can find truth, not to convince the person of, of your view, but to, but to seek truth. Then we're looking for character. And character is, there's a bright line, right? There's right and wrong. And people who, who have good character. And uh, one of my favorite stories about that is, is they say character is, is what you do when you think no one's looking. And there's this great story. So we had this, this young man and he was interviewing and he was awesome. In person, in the interview process, he was awesome. I mean, everybody loved him. But someone oversaw, someone saw him uh, basically dressing down a maid, basically yelling at her because his bed wasn't done the right way at the hotel. And I said, out, done, right? If, if you treat people that you don't think can help you poorly, I got no time for you. And, and that character is a, is a big thing. You know, the third thing we look for is, is a commitment to what we say Catholic social teaching, which doesn't mean you have to be Catholic, but you have to believe in that you're put on this planet to give back, right? To, to make an impact. 
uh, and that do you want to use your talents that are a gift of grace to to help others? And so that's the and then the fourth is is leadership. And really, leadership is about inspiring others to follow your vision. And you know that is something that is sadly lacking in our world today is true leadership. You know, look around the world, not a lot of great leaders, you know, the, the, the bygone days of people like John F. Kennedy and, and others are, are really absent today. And we really need that, that leadership. You, you, see, you do see it in, in certain sectors. There are some tech leaders who I think are extraordinary. Um, you know, you talk about basketball, I mean, someone like a Phil Jackson, who's an extraordinary leader and, and uh, is able to motivate. Steve Kerr played for Phil and, and brings that same um, motivational strategy and style uh, to others. So I, I do think those are the things, again, long answer to, to but, but it's such an important point that all day I will back character and honesty and integrity over intelligence and, you know, super creativity and, and all those things. Um, I, I give you one, one example, one, one last example of that. So, you know, I've been blessed. I mean, truly, truly blessed to have some great mentors in my life. And probably my biggest advice, you know, I tweeted this out uh, about a year ago, you know, advice to my younger investing self. And one of the biggest points was find mentors. And I was dumb, right? I didn't find mentors until late in life, but, but I was lucky at 34 years old, uh, I did get uh, Julian Robertson, famous hedge fund manager as, as a friend and mentor. And it just, I just lucky. And, but he was a man of impeccable character and integrity. And my favorite story is one day he went through customs, right? Got off airplane, went through customs and he was wearing a pair of shoes that he had bought in Italy and he forgot to declare them. He literally wrote out a check and sent it in the next day. I mean, who does that, right? Most people lie about what's in their suitcase, let alone, oh, I forgot to report this, so I'll send them money. I mean, the guy is, is amazing, but he had a great line about that. Uh, when he would ask an analyst, you know, you know what, are, what are the numbers? And you could tell when someone starts to make stuff up or, or draw on kind of not thing. And he said, Don't, never fudge the numbers. Never fudge the numbers. And the same applies to character. Never cross the line into just because it's easy and expeditious and you might make a little money. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And again, I just have no time for that. But, but isn't it all, again, so much to unpack there, but but a big thing about character is that, you know, when you're an investor, you're going to hit trouble times anyway. Yep. And, and that's when it sucks to have a ba bad partner that you can't trust because, I mean, when, when things are going great, it isn't that, that hard, right, yeah. to manage people. Look, I, <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, let's just say I've had some amazing partners, still have some amazing partners. Uh, and Pomp is one of them and, and I have others, but I've had some horrible partners and, and it comes down to, to character. And, and look, partner, think about partner, think about your life partner, think about partnerships in business. Partner implies self-sacrifice. It implies doing the right thing to make the partnership better. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you subjugate yourself and, and, and just don't be yourself, but it, it means that, that you again, you do what's right and you do it in the spirit of helping the partnership. And you know, there are plenty of times my wife and I have disagreed on something, but we work in the spirit of partnership to, to get back to, to the right place. 
And, and I appreciate her feedback, candid feedback when I'm doing something stupid, right? So, but I've had, unfortunately, some, some really bad partners. And, you know, I think the big thing is greed changes people. And it, it's sad, right? I, I say, you know, I had these two guys and uh, I won't go into the long version of the story. I always say it requires alcohol. But, you know, when we were nobody from nowhere, right? When we were not successful, everything was great. Everybody did their job. Everybody was happy. When we became super successful, we had a period where we were really, really successful. We had, you know, $10 billion under, under advisement. And, but people, some people, when, when things are going well, they, they get greedy and they, they try to take. And uh, I had an experience where a partner, um, basically, I hate to say it, but he started stealing, right? He started taking things off the top and then you know, splitting the bottom line. And, and I caught him. And what I should have done is I should have divorced, right? I should have said, no, we're done, right? Let's just unwind the partnership. You go your way, I'll go mine. And instead, I said, you know, pay me back and I'll call it a day. No lawsuits. No, and that was wrong. That was dumb. Because if, if they cheat you once, they'll cheat you again. I would say it's like, that's why I love playing golf. And I don't, I'm not a good golfer. I don't play a lot of golf. But playing golf with someone, you learn a lot. Right. Someone always improves their lie if they don't report their score the right way. That because your point, when when things get hard, right? When you're in a partnership in an investment and suddenly the world changes and you got to take a write down, that person who cheats at golf is gonna fudge the numbers and never fudge the numbers. You have this great line, and I love the story behind it. So if you can take the story, I would love it. But you had this like the rule. I think it's a mentor told you that never hire anyone over thirty-five years old. Do you remember yes. that rule? Can you take yeah, it? Yeah, oh, it's no, very no, funny. that's great. So I'm I'm interviewing uh, to be the CIO of UNC, and you know I'm thirty-four years old, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, there are a lot of people in their fifties and sixties, way more experienced than me. Uh, even an alumnus of of UNC, I was a Notre Dame grad and was the number two guy there, and and you know interviewing to be the number one at at, at uh, UNC, and and the chairman says I'd never hire anybody over thirty five. I'm like what? And he says, Yeah, look, it, it's it's just math. You know, your twenties are for getting educated, your thirties are for building your reputation, your forties are for capitalizing on your reputation, and your fifties and sixties are for enjoying your reputation. And he said, by 35, people are, are burned out from building their reputation. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that 100%, but I do think there is this sweet spot of, you know, kind of in your 20s into your young 40s, where you really have, you have, you know, physical endurance, you have and there are plenty of old, like this guy at 65 still could have kicked my butt. He was a former Marine, although actually a Marine. You can't say former Marine. He was a Marine. Um, and so he had a lot of energy, but, but you just have, you have mental energy. And there's actually studies about this, you know, traders past 40. It's just hard. You know, the plasticity of the brain starts to change. And, and there's also a little bit of, of, of lack of fear. There's a, there's a great story. And again, you're too young now, but there's this guy and I don't even like telling the story because now he's become a bad guy, you know, Bill Cosby. But when I was growing up, Bill Cosby was still a good guy. He was a comedian and he had this uh, story about a kid on a bike 
And he said, this kid was amazing, right? He would ride up the swing set and across the top and down the other side and across the top of the fence and doing circles like six inches off the ground. And he never fell. And you know, the first time he fell when an adult told him about gravity. And so when you're young, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what to fear. And, and that can be dangerous, right? You know, Pomp was in the army, and they're, you know, if you go into unfriendly fire the wrong way, you're going to get killed. And um, if you go into investments without protection, you can get killed. But Michael Steinhardt, famous hedge fund manager, has this great line. He's like, you know, the great thing about young people is they are willing to try things. And yes, they'll make mistakes but the mistakes aren't very costly because they don't have a lot of money. So he says, make all your mistakes when you're young and it doesn't cost you very much. So, and again, Will Smith has a line about this too. I, I saw him speak once and a very hypnotic speaker, but he has this great line, right? Fail fast, but fail forward. And the thing that I rail against all, all the time now, and I have little kids, so I have a funny family. So I have older kids and then 20 years later, my wife and I had our third kid. And people always say, oh, when did you get the new wife? I'm like, nope, same wife. I'm like, how's that possible? I'm like, I, I don't know. We were 47 years old. And you're not supposed to be able to have kids then. We did. And it's awesome. And my 10-year-old is amazing. And uh, he keeps me really young. Like, I'll walk in and he'll say, dad, let's wrestle. I'm like, you mean on the ground wrestle? Okay. Okay. That was a lot easier at 35 than 55 or 57. Um, but the... <laughs> See, now I just, I went so far off the rabbit hole, I forgot what the point I was going to make. But uh, anyway. No, but it's great. Great stories, Mark. I, I think um, another part, I mean, I love the, the podcast, obviously, you, you did it with Pomp. So there, there's a bit of the same questions here. But another part that just viewing it from the outside, I mean, you, you talked a lot about you feel like the market is a bit bearish, you've been on CNBC, you, you, don't, you don't like the outlooks. And then you had this like, Wonderful um, comeback where you, I think you, you cited Eminem and you just went like, okay, I was wrong, but okay, I'm back. And I think it yeah. goes back back to the principle that you're not afraid of being wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong about having a mistake in the market because that's the way it's going to go anyways. But the big danger is to never change your mind. So maybe can you talk a bit about that principle to not be so afraid about judging the market the wrong way? Just don't stay wrong and change and adapt if you need to. Uh, okay. It's such a critical point. And, and again, just, you know, lucky to have lots of great mentors and, and, and one of the, my early mentors had, had the line, right. Which is, you know, being wrong, totally fine. Staying wrong, not fine. You, you have to have the ability to change your mind. And, and, and I've tweeted this and talked about it uh, many times in that, um, you know, winners lose or fail, or are wrong, way more than losers. I mean, it's, it's just not even close. And it's because winners aren't afraid of being wrong, of failing. Um, and so they try more new things. They put on more positions. They, they take more risks. And, and, and the key, back to the original you know, wisdom uh, from Soros that I shared with Pomp, that you know, it's not whether you're right or wrong. It's how much money you make when you're right and how much money you lose when you're wrong. And so the best of the best, you know, the Julian Robertsons and, and where I got that, that wisdom from about pressing winners, press winners, um, you know, the losers cut losers, right? There's the famous picture of Paul Tudor Jones in his dorm room at Virginia with that on the wall. So that one's easy, right? Admitting your mistakes fast 
you know, that's the most important thing because then a small loss doesn't turn into a big loss. Pressing your winners came from, you know, I've been lucky. Uh, I've backed pretty much every spin out from Julian Robertson's shop, you know, over the years, whether it was Blue Ridge or Lone Pine or Maverick, you know, Tiger Global, all these things. We, we invested with these guys. And I went and I, I got to talk to them and I have the, you know, books full of notes. In fact, I should probably put it into a book someday talking to these incredible investors, you know, now manage 10% of the long, short money on the planet. They're all trained by the same guy. I said, what made Julian so great? And without, without fail, they always said, oh, he had the ability to double up. Most people double down, right? Most people are so afraid of admitting they're wrong. They say, no, I'm right. And the market's wrong. So they're, they buy a stock for 10 bucks and it goes to, you know, eight and they say, oh, I'll buy more. And then it goes to five. I said, oh, I'll buy more. No, okay, you're wrong, right? You made a mistake. And um, the key is that Julian had the ability, he, bought it, he buys at 10 and it goes to 20. He's like, okay, buy more. I'm like, no, shouldn't we take profits? And if you look at the history of most investors, and Peter Lynch talks about this, they, they water their weeds and they pull their flowers. So as soon as they make a little bit of profit, they're, they're selling because they're afraid they're gonna lose the profit. Instead, when their weeds start to really flourish, or their, their mistakes start to get big, they double down. And that's the worst possible thing to do. So I really do try to focus on uh, making lots of investments, you know, partnering with lots of, of great management teams and lots of great investors. And then if things don't work out, you sell and move on to the next idea. And, and I think part of it is, if you're intellectually curious, if you've got a fast motor, you've always got ideas, right? I always have ideas. They may not all be good ideas and that's okay. Uh, you can try them out. And the more things you try and the more you know, positions you put on, the more chances you have to win. And if you press those winners, then you know, they can become a big part of, of your, your portfolio and your net worth. So again, kind of a meandering response, but it, there are a lot of pieces of it that are important. One is that ability to, I'm wrong. And there's nothing wrong with being wrong. And think, that's one of the things I don't like about Twitter, right? Is I love Twitter by and large. It's awesome. I and mean, you and I are talking because of Twitter and there's lots of things that go on because of Twitter. But the one thing I don't like is, you know, a troll will do a search and they'll, you know, find something you said three years ago and they'll say, oh, you were wrong. I'm like, really, you think I haven't changed my mind like seven times in the last three years on that particular position? It's not like I put a position on it and then I never changed my mind. But, you know, Lord Keynes, he was given a speech and next week he gave a speech and he changed something. And there was a guy who was at both speeches in the front row and he says, Lord Keynes, last week you said exactly the opposite. And he says, sir, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do? Of course, right? If, if new information comes along or the world changes, you have to be able to change your mind and not be so wed to being right. And you know, one of my other favorite lines, there's a, a great um, hedge fund guy that, that we've worked with for many, many years. And, and he had a really unique background in that his family owned a cable business, cable TV business. And he kind of came up through there. Then he went to business school. And then he said, I don't want to work in the family business anymore. I want to be a hedge fund manager. And he became a very successful multi-billion dollar fund. And he has this uh, poster as you walk in their office. And it says, with every investment, we get a little richer or a little wiser, never both. 
And it's such genius because when you, when you make an investment and it goes up, you learn nothing because you don't analyze it. You just say, oh, look how smart I am. Oh, this, so, so this game's so easy. But when it, when it goes down, oh, now you're focusing. What did I do wrong? You, you analyze it and you, you actually learn from it. So I think that's critically important is to be able to admit you're wrong, to not let big, small losses turn into big losses and, and learn from it. And one last pithy statement, because I'm, I'm actually staring at the book behind you on the shelf, which is um, Coach uh, Smith, who was the famous basketball coach at UNC, um, has this great line, Ralph, right? When you make a mistake, you need to recognize it, admit it, learn from it, and then the most important thing, forget it. Because most people agonize over their losses or agonize over their mistakes. No, you need to forget. And I hate to quote Coach K after Coach Smith because I'm a Carolina guy, but Coach K, I, I got to spend a couple hours with him one time and it was awesome. And two things that are funny. One, about halfway through, says, you know, our businesses are exactly the same. And I'm like, oh, okay, Coach, how am I anything like the greatest coach in basketball ever, right? Hall of Famer. How am I anything like you? He says, well, think about it, right? We both recruit, identify and recruit talent. We both put together a team and a game plan. We put them on the court and then we sit down. I said, holy crud, we have exactly the same business. It's awesome. I'm just like Coach K. Um, but then he says something that has, has really, I've repeated over and over and over again is, uh, you know what separates the great players or the great investors from the average player or the average investor is the greats focus on the next play. The bad ones or the average ones focus on the last play. And we've all seen this, right? You're watching a basketball game or a hockey game or whatever, and you make a mistake, right? You miss a shot. And then you run back and you commit a stupid foul because you're thinking about missing that shot. He says the greats, don't even remember taking the shot. They just go back and play good defense, steal the ball, make a layup. So they're always focused on the next play. And Michael Jordan has the great line. says, look, there have been thousands of times where I've had to take the winning shot and I miss. I, I don't even remember taking the shot. I just want the ball the next time because I'm going to make the next one. And it's that confidence, not arrogance, but that confidence to want the ball, but to know that you aren't going to be burdened by this set of mistakes because we all make mistakes. And in investing, look, the data is incontrovertible, right? The legends, George Soros, Michael Steinhardt, Julian Robertson, Stan Druckenmiller are right 56, 58% of the time. The average person is only right about 40% of the time. I aspire to get to 50, right? Because then you got the odds in your favor. But again, it's not whether you're right or wrong. It's how much money you make when you're right, how much money you lose when you're wrong. 100%. Last question, Mark. It's been fantastic to talking to you, but just some basic advice for, for the next investors and entrepreneurs. What are some of the reflections you would like to pass on? I mean, it seems like you also had, during your career, an ability to reinvent yourself, right? We talk about yep. in, uh, investing in innovation, but it's also about investing in oneself, right? Being able to be at the fringes, trying new stuff, if you should distill some advices down, just, just to wrap it up and summarize, what are some of the key key takeaways you can give to the next generation that wants to build stuff and create value? Yeah, so it, it really, really important question. And, and I appreciate the, the comment on 
kind of reinvention. And, and it's so important, right? It's back to the don't be afraid to fail. Uh, try things that I, I say, you know, life is better outside the comfort zone. If you stay in your comfort zone, pretty boring, right? Live outside the comfort zone, take risk. Don't be afraid of risk, seek risk. Now manage risk. I'm not saying be stupid, right? Don't, you know, drive off a cliff, right? That's bad, right? Let's, let's, let's manage risk, but seek risk and seek opportunities where there's asymmetry, where there's more upside than downside uh, and manage. So, you know, for me, I'll tell you the things that I did poorly that I wish I did better. You know, first is networking, right? Network, network, network. I didn't do networking when I was young. I should have, because it turns out the people that you network with when you're young, 20 years hence, some of them are pretty important. Some become presidents or corporate leaders or, you know, influencers. And, and so having friends in high places is, is a really good thing. Um, so network, 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 and, you know, take advantage of, you know, go to trade association event, trade association events and, and hang out in Twitter chat, chat rooms and, and, you know, DM. Um, the other one is, is gratitude, right? I, I tweeted about this the other day. When was the last time you sent a one-line thank you to someone who helped you, someone who believed in you or someone who inspired you? And we all take it for granted that people want to help us. People want to inspire us, um, but, but thank them, right? Just be grateful. Uh, so another one is, is to find mentors really, really fast. And a mentor doesn't have to be somebody you know, right? You don't have to hang out. You can actually read a book about someone you, you, know, you aspire to be like, and you can learn about them, and you can aspire to be like them. I have this uh, hedge fund guy, young guy, Carolina guy, been great. He read 100 biographies of great investors. He said it made me a better investor. Of course it would. And that's fantastic. So, you know, mentorship is really important. Um, read, 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 and, and read books, right? Don't read news. I read almost no news. I don't read newspapers. I don't read magazines. I, I don't, I mean, I do read some news on Twitter, but I, I, don't, I don't want to read news. I want to read ideas. I want to read books, right? you know, and I also take time to have big conversations. I, I always ask people, okay, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Goes, oh, I have a thousand. Like, no, you don't. No one has a thousand friends. Okay. A friend is someone that you can have a two hour conversation with about a compelling or interesting topic. There aren't very many of those you have. Find those people and have those conversations. And importantly, seek people who have a different view than yours. Don't just seek, you know, people who believe, who agree with you. Find people that you disagree with vehemently and then have a conversation, have a dialogue and a discourse where you seek truth. Back to this whole idea of truth and trust. Don't try to convince the other person of your view. Discuss to seek truth. And that, that is a, a critical, critical component. Uh, another is invest in yourself, right? The greatest invest in, investment is always in yourself. So education, you know, courses. And the great thing now is, you know, you can take a class from the greatest teacher in the world on your screen, right? On your phone, on your computer for free. I mean, you can find YouTube, you know, videos, or you can find, you know, TED Talks from people who are extraordinary. Like, you know, the TED Talk on, uh, um, oh, shoot, now I'm blanking on the guy's name. Oh, um, Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek on... Uh, the principle of why Apple won and, and on the principle of why versus what changed my life. 
absolutely changed my life in, in every way. I didn't have to meet Simon. I would love to meet Simon, but I, it changed my life because I watched his 11-minute TED Talk. I probably watched it 10 times, actually. And uh, so seek people who you admire. Uh, and the other one for me is ask. Right? You want to have lunch with somebody? Ask them. They might actually have lunch with you. You want to do a video chat with somebody? Ask them. They might actually do it. Um, you know, you and I are talking because you asked, you know, and that's, that's great. That's a great skill to have. Um, invest all the time, all the time, like have lots of investments, shotgun. I mean, just don't wait till you know everything to make an investment, have lots of investments and try lots of things. And I don't mean willy-nilly just spray and pray, but but actually try lots of different things. And, and again, don't be afraid to fail. And when you're wrong, move on. Cover and uh, and move on. But but invest because you learn by doing. Uh, and you have to feel that that pain of loss. You have to feel that pain of mistakes. And again, you either get richer or wiser, never both. Richer is good, wiser is better. Because uh, wisdom, wisdom comes from experience. Experience comes from bad decisions. Um, and so making lots of decisions, some of them good, some of them bad, uh, is really important. And, and just don't be afraid to fail. Uh, there's no stigma to it. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Uh, I would say strong opinions, loosely held. It's perfect. And maybe just one final thought is that you have to trust the process. I mean, it's very easy to look at Mark Yusko from the outside and say that this guy's a genius, but I mean, along your <laughs> oh, journey, God. there's been ups and downs, right? So it's not like... As yeah. long as you keep digging at it, just stay at it. Because I think maybe if you have two, two, three year bad years, you will say to yourself, okay, this is not for me. I'm going to give up. But if you see the guys that are resilient, you just have to continue, right? Don't stop. Oh, Christopher, thank you. That, 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 is, that is the most important word. The absolute most important word in everything we do is resilience, right? What separates the winners from the losers is resilience. We are all going to fail. We are all going to fall on our face. I've had so many just miserable failures. I mean, there's so many things I stink at and, and you're kind to even use the G word with me. I am not the smartest tool in the shed, right? I, I did not get good grades. I did not get good test scores. I went to a perfectly fine college and I, and I did fine. And, and I, you know, I'm not a dummy. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not, you know, brains is not my strong suit. What, what, what we all have are gifts, right? We're given gifts. And, you know, I, I think I have a gift for relating to people. I think I have a gift for communication. I think I have a gift for being willing to try new things. And I think that that is a gift. Uh, we're all given many gifts and, and using those gifts is, is really important. Um, and trying to improve the things we're not so good at, right? I try to get smarter. I try to learn. I, I read a lot. I, I talk to a lot of smart people. Um, but resilience is number one, right? If, if you wallow in self-pity, if you say, woe is me, uh, when something goes wrong, uh, it's gonna be a really difficult and challenging life. But if you, if you pick yourself up and um, you know, it's the whole get knocked down, get right back up, get knocked down again, get right back up. Uh, you just gotta keep moving. And, and that ability to forget, to not dwell, and, and, and to be truly resilient. Meaning, you know, if you think about resilience, right, is, is, you know, it gets dented, but then it heals itself back to the original form. It doesn't stay dented and, we're, and say, oh, geez, if I didn't have this dent, I could be great. 
you you heal, you you are resilient, and and you go forward, uh, and get right back out there, and uh, you know, look, I, there's so many opportunities and so many great opportunities, and it, it really is about what you make, you know, you make your future, um, and and you really you can do just about anything you put your mind to. Now, yeah, there are time, place, and events and circumstances, and says, oh, but this person is born into poverty. Lots of stories of people who overcome poverty. Oh, this person's born, you know, into a, a disadvantaged part of the world. You can move. Um, this person doesn't have, you know, good relationships. Find some other ones. And the internet empowers that. Uh, it's, but it's about commitment, right? If you're committed um, and you are resilient and you are forward-looking, uh, you, you can be successful and will be successful. And, and the last thing I would say is uh, competitive, right? The most important thing in this world is to be competitive. And I don't care if it's sports or crossword puzzles or business or investing or service or philanthropy compete baby compete and and want to win um pat garrity famous basketball player at notre dame um there's this great thing they're they're playing kentucky and kentucky makes this shot there's only a couple seconds left and everybody's hanging their head and he goes what what are you doing we are going to win this game and because the, the camera's right on we are going to win this game and everybody's looking at are you crazy? We're not going to win this game. And sure enough, they get shot. They win the game. And after the, the game, the, the, the announcer says, how did you know you're going to win? My dad told me winners win. Okay. Winners win. And if you have that positive mental attitude, so life needs to be about a positive mental attitude, not a Pollyanna. Oh, everything's great. If the fire's burning, but I can be positive about anything. Right. I got, you know, I'll give you, I got COVID, right? I didn't try to get COVID. I, I, I didn't think I was going to get COVID, but I got it. And, uh, you know, I didn't wallow in self-pity and say, oh, woe is me. I made sure I, you know, stayed healthy. I got my sleep. I drank my fluids. I, I did what the doctor told me. And, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, and I know lots of people have had way worse situations and, and it is a, it's a tough virus. But uh, staying positive, no matter what people throw at you, I think is really important. That was Mark Yusko, the legendary investor and innovator, sharing his biggest lessons from his career so far. If you liked this episode, it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is the place, at Chris Vonheim. You can also find more information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in the next episode and take care.